Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. And so Satan knows this because, see, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to get a divorce. So what we do is Satan will settle for second best. So he, through his forces, causes you and your spouse to be alienated from each other. You're moving apart. You're filled with anger. You're filled with hurt, frustration, pain. And in this house, that's a Christian home, we have two people that are really just existing. You may have heard the saying, you can't love someone else until you learn to love yourself. Is that sound advice? Conventional wisdom will tell you that as you grow and mature as an individual, you become more successful in relationships. But the truth is, the more you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, loving and serving Him first, that is when you truly understand what it means to love someone else. Serving yourself does not lead to a heart of serving others. But if both partners in a relationship are moving towards God, they move towards each other too. Only devotion to the Lord provides a strong framework for marriage. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We will be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, with part one of our message entitled, Marriage Growing Together. This is a couple that have recently gotten married. What happened is David was a student at Minnesota University up in Minnesota, and he decided with one of his friends to schedule a wedding on a specific day and then advertise throughout the United States for a bride. That day at the mall, 24 women showed up to be married to him. They went through a preview screening by the candidates and the family and his friends. The four runners-up served as bridesmaids. And Elizabeth was the one that he chose. They talk in there about how wonderful it is to have similar interests, similar senses of humor. The mother-in-law said she's sure that they're committed to this idea, her daughter is, and so is he. How many would take bets that this one won't last too long? But here we are in America, and really marriage means very little. To advertise for a bride, to get married on the same day that you meet her for the very first time out of 24, with no guidelines, no direction, other than she has a great sense of humor. By the way, that won't last long. (laughs) Those of us been married know that, don't we? It's amazing. We'll talk about what marriage is today in our fourth topic in the series called Marriage Growing Together. When God designed the home, it was God's idea. Interesting, is seemingly God's left out of this particular marriage. It's God's idea, and He designed our marriages to be successful, to follow God's written plan. Now inside this little house that He's designed for us, your home between a husband and wife, 
There is to be joy and kind words, peace and laughter. It's to be a place of rest. It's to be a place of acceptance. The home was designed by God to be a building block for all of society. God designed each home to be led with a husband and a wife who first of all loved God. And then from their intimacy would come godly children who would grow up to model their parents' relationship with each other and with God and reproduce this plan over and over and over. To accomplish godly homes in the Bible, as we discussed, God gave us five areas of commitment. Committed to God and His plan. Committed to each other for life. Committed to oneness and committed to intimacy. Today we come to the fifth and final commitment, and it's committed to growing together. We talked about marriage being like two separate plants put in one big pot. And from the earth in that pot upward, it, those individual plants are unique and they have their own characteristics, but they're in one pot, which we call marriage. Underneath the soil, wonderful things are happening. If we could see underneath the soil, you would see that these two individual plants that are in this pot, their roots are, are growing together. They're finding within them a strength and encouragement. And they're growing. And if they get a little sunshine, a little water, a little bit of fertilizer and a little bit of weed picking and so forth, we see that they just grow healthier and healthier and healthier. If we would come back in a month from now and could look below the soil, if they've been getting these nutrients and all these things, you would see that they're even growing more effectively. Well, that's what Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says. It says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So marriage initially, you remember, was designed to do one thing. It was to wipe out loneliness. Adam, you remember, it was in his little home and he was lonely, so God created Eve. It wiped out loneliness. But there's more to marriage than just eliminating loneliness. God provided marriage or this home to be a place, a practical place where both spouses could grow spiritually, emotionally, and intellectually. And God in one day planted both of those plants in one pot. That's called marriage. At that point, there weren't too many roots. But during time, then God would grow this plant and we would grow together. If you've been married X number of years and you continue to grow on, God's process for you is to grow and to grow and to grow together. Through the years, then both of these partners begin to learn to give and to share, to be patient, to forgive, to submit, and to love one another. I want to give you, if you're taking notes, five ways to grow together. Five ways for you and I to grow together. Number one is work and serve together. Work and serve together to make a God-centered home. How many know marriage takes work? 
three hands. This is a good. <laughs> Marriage takes work all the time. In fact, I'm ready to finish the series on marriage. And the reason is, every time in my past that I've taught on marriage, we have some of the rockiest weeks in our home of ever. Our marriage just has tremendous stress. I'm through teaching today. And the reason is, I want my marriage back. Now, I joke about it, but it's a very, very serious thing. Because, see, there is such hurt in this area, and we're all the same. We all hurt. We all have spouses that aren't perfect because we're not perfect. It's just a difficult thing. So it takes work. We said when we began teaching that marriage is not a twosome, but it's a threesome. You see it right there. And the trouble with some of your marriages is God has never been part of your marriage. Maybe you found out too late. You've been through a marriage or two and a divorce or two and whatever, and now you come and you realize that God, maybe like the God couple in Minnesota, you didn't do it that foolishly, but you didn't realize God had a place. Well, you have to just take where you're at today and you go forward. See, we can't ever go back in our lives. Just take where you're at, God's grace, and you move forward. Divorce, separated, you just take it where it is and you move forward and you let God minister to you. Now, in this triangle... Notice how close the husband is to God. So he's doing some good things, and he's trying to mature spiritually. Notice the wife in this case. She's a long way in her relationship from God. Now when that happens in a marriage, you can substitute the husband and wife and reverse the roles. When that happens in a marriage, notice the distance between the wife and the husband. It's a great distance. That's exactly what happens. And this is what the world wants. This is what Satan wants. He desires for our marriage to be going in different directions away from God. Now let me show you what God designed at this triangle. In this particular triangle, we see something very important. We see a husband and wife, and we see them by the arrows that you see there moving toward God. Now, if you would take those two arrows where they're at, and you just draw a line between the husband and wife halfway up, what do we see between now the husband and the wife? They're getting closer together. So as we start down here, and as the husband and wife both end up headed the same direction, they get what to each other? Closer. Does that say anything to you? It should say volumes to you. Now, I'm not saying that the husband's saying, I'm 91% committed to God, you're only 90, so I'm better than you. Don't, don't go that route, because... You get in all kinds of trouble. All we're saying is that we're headed in the same direction. And this is exactly, this is exactly what God wants. He wants us to understand that marriage is a threesome. It is not a twosome, but we're headed in the same direction, in the same direction, doing what God wants. Now, now on your date night this week, and date is spelled D-A-T-E. Good. It's a time, you remember what a date is, don't you? It's not something you eat. It's a time when you go out with your spouse. Here's what I want you to do this week on your date night. I want you to sit down with your spouse, and I want you to draw a triangle of where what you think your marriage looks like. Does it look like the first triangle or the second? And I want your spouse to do the same. I want you to be honest. I just want you to talk about it on your date night. People say, write to me and say, I have nothing to say on our dates. I don't know. Well, here's something to say. So two little pictures. You draw it and just say, where are we? in our design that God made. Are we, are we growing together toward God? Or is one of us kind of headed down this direction? Or is God even 
Is God even in the picture? See, some of you, some of you will have a hard time. Had one lady uh, in one of the services come up and she showed me her triangle. And she showed God and her husband isn't even in the picture because he's not interested in God. That's hard, isn't it? But is there hope with God? You betcha. So I just encourage you, by faith, just continue to believe. So that's one of your assignments. Number two, not only do we have to work and serve as we head toward God, but we're to fight Satan together. Now, Satan understood the power of a godly home. It was not a surprise to him. So back in Genesis 3, Satan attacked the very first home, Adam and Eve. He was trying to destroy, and by the way, he did a good job of it, he was trying to destroy the relationship between Adam and Eve and each other and their personal relationship with God. It's still, this attack, attack is still going on in my home, and in your home. Still going on. It's still here. The attack is here. Uh, many of you probably could stop today and let, take a look at your last year and you've received a phone call or a letter or somebody came to you and here's what they said. We're getting a divorce. And you go, not, not that couple. That can't be. That couple? They're Christians. That can't be that they're getting a divorce. It cannot be, but it is. And then you have to say, well, how did it happen? How did it happen? And we're going to show you this morning how it happened. We have three enemies against all of our marriages. There isn't a person in this room that does not have Satan and the world and the flesh after your marriage. You see what? these enemies want to do is to take you and move you away from God, doing your own thing, not God-centered, but self-centered. And as you move away from God, you automatically move away from your spouse. That's exactly what these enemies want to do. Let's look at all three of them. First of all, Satan. The Bible tells us that we face three strong enemies. This comes from the Bible. Number one is Satan. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. Now, maybe you haven't been in church in a while, or maybe you've just come, and maybe you're checking out church, or you're just trying to see what's happening in the church, and you're just investigating. We're glad you're here. And you might say, Satan? You mean the guy with the pitchfork and the red suit that we see at Halloween? You mean this church here believes in Satan? You betcha. Why do we believe in Satan? Because the Bible tells us that Satan is real. So there is an individual, a person who has already rebelled against God, and he is out to destroy your marriage. God hates divorce, but Satan loves divorce. But here's what happens. Satan understands in our Christian marriages that most of us, if you've been a Christian at all, any kind of time, most of us have made a decision in our life that we will never divorce. In fact, I think that's a good practice that you ought to have in your marriage if you're Christians. So you just never use the word divorce. You might use the word murder. <laughs> but you wouldn't use the word divorce. They're similar, but not exactly the same. And so Satan knows this. Because, see, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to get a divorce. So what we do is Satan will settle for second best. So he through his forces, causes you and your spouse to be alienated from each other. You're moving apart. You're filled with anger. You're filled with hurt, frustration, 
pain. And in this house, that's a Christian home, we have two people that are really just existing. You don't care for each other. The love is gone. And outwardly, it looks pretty good. You're sitting here this morning. And you're coming to church. You're going through the routine. But in your life, you already know that Satan has got you guys so far apart. You're just alienated. But you're putting up a good show. But see, if I go to your house and I walk through the door, here's what I'd find. A well-decorated morgue. Death prevails. It's sad. It's hurtful. But two proud people, too proudful to ask forgiveness, alienated from each other and from God, going through the motions of marriage. You see, the only thing you haven't done is legally sign the divorce papers. You've done everything else. But see, you're a Christian, so you won't get divorced. And through this deceit, Satan is a great deceiver. He's got you fooled that you're doing what God wants. You're not. The second enemy this morning is the world. Not only do we fight Satan, but we fight the world. Now, the world is not the ground that you're standing on this morning. It's the world system. Satan is the ruler of this world. God ultimately is, but Satan currently has control of this world. And Satan's desire is to leave God out of every situation. So what do we have? What, what is the forces blowing against this house from the world this morning? We know Satan's after it to steal, kill, and destroy. What about the world system we live in? The, the neighborhood you live in? The television we watch? The system at work? Well, what is the world system? Well, the first thing, the first win there under the world is there's absolutely no social stigma of divorce today. If you went back 50 years ago, you'd think three, four, five, six, seven times before you get a divorce. Today, eh, it's no big deal. Big difference. So through time, through compromise, divorce has entered, so much so that in the church it's almost the same as in the world. Unbelievable. But it's happened. It's because of the world system. Secondly, we have something called no-fault divorce laws. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? No fall divorce laws. Here's what I'm waiting for. In the newspaper, we're going to see this one of these days with this. Husband files for divorce. Reason? El Nino. <laughs> it's going to happen. You watch for it. You watch for it. We blame it for everything else. So what we see here is this. I'm not going to take any blame for the marriage problem. That's exactly what I see when I do marriage counseling. So if you come, here's the way you're going to leave. By the way, you can't change your spouse. Amen. <laughs> There's one wise man. He's either, he's either divorced or happy. One or the other. You can't change your spouse. God can't change you unless you want him to. God could force you, but he won't. So what we have, when, I, when they leave the office, I say to them, here's what you're going to work on to make the marriage better. Here's what your spouse is going to work on. See, it always takes two. 
Always takes two. Usually one's more to blame, that's correct. But it always takes two. So we can't blame anybody. This no-fault divorce is a joke. Thirdly, there's no social conscience against sexual immorality today. Sexual immorality is rampant, it's accepted, it's the norm. If you were working a company that takes business trips, and if you go on business trips, you know it's one of those expected things on the business trips, there's going to be sexuality happening outside of marriage. It's just the norm thing. What do you mean you're not going to get involved? You're the oddity. That's because our world today has no concept of holiness and marriage. Parents, be careful of what you watch on television. Be careful what you allow your children to watch. It's filled with nothing but garbage. And slowly, after time, the world puts its little processes in until we are like the frog that was put into cold water, but over time just starts to boil and he doesn't realize it. Be careful what you watch. And lastly is a perverted view of marriage and submission. You see, the world doesn't understand godly marriage. And the Southern Baptists made a statement, actually just a statement on marriage, and they went down and talked about all the different areas. And it isn't really a Southern Baptist statement, it's a statement of biblical values that I happen to believe in. It was wonderful. And one of the statements that's been picked on by the news media is that a wife should submit lovingly to a husband. Of course, they miss all the other parts that the husband is supposed to be a loving leader as he loves God. We're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about all those kind of things. And certainly, when you understand that the definition of submission means this, a willing attitude that wants to cooperate. A willing, loving attitude that wants to cooperate. Every part of us that God designed has been designed to submit to somebody in authority. When you go out of here and you come to the, the corner and the policeman's there, we have the policeman there for a reason. He's authority. You submit to his time going right or left, otherwise you're going to get in an accident. We don't seem to have a problem with that, but our society doesn't want to be responsible to anybody. They want to do their own thing. That's why we have a service here. If you get up and leave and head toward the back during the service, we ask you to be seated at the back. Why? So that you won't come back up and disrupt the service. That's why we have our kids in our kids' ministry, not in here. Why? So the kids aren't bored and they're there. So you submit to authority. Why well, come to church going to do that kind of thing? I do. Well, then fine. What you're teaching your kids is what? No submission to authority. And you know we have teachers today quitting by the hundreds in our schools. Why? Because they can't control the classes anymore. Parents say, don't you dare say a bad word to my kid. Well, that kid needs a little bit of something applied to the you-know-where. <laughs> Lovingly, not in anger, but done right. A husband and wife walking along the street, and across the street is a husband dragging a woman by her hair behind him. And here's the statement in the paper. They're Southern Baptists. You see, we laugh, but that's sad. Because it says to the world, that's what a God marriage is. That is not what a God marriage is. In fact, a God marriage is where the husband's carrying the wife toward God. He's a loving leader. But see, you can't change people's hearts except one at a time when they see what a godly marriage should be from you and me. In his explanation about spiritual balance within marriage, Pastor Mark described the wife, husband, and God as a triangle. When one spouse was closer to God, the other spouse was further away than both God and their spouse. If they're headed in the same direction, there's balance. 
Pastor Mark encouraged couples to discuss how they view their marriages and to take the time to reconnect and refocus on their goals. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark warns about the dangers of unresolved conflicts in marriages. What kinds of problems that result from them? Ultimately, we will see in Scripture how dissolution of marriages always ends with hearts that have been hardened. We will see how to avoid this, how to keep our hearts from hardening until there's no turning back and turn our backs on Satan's influence. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Right. 